It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Well, Bills Mafia, we are live as promised after the Buffalo Bills uh, defeat the New England Patriots in a big way, 47 to 17 inside an absolutely raucous Highmark Stadium. I mean, this place at times tonight, Ryan, I'm telling you, was shaking. You know, I tweeted out a uh, hype video and I, I tell people this all the time. It's my UFC days. Blame the blame the previous gig i am a sucker for hype videos like if you bring a good hype video i don't care what the topic is i'm gonna sit and watch it and i am going to get all misty-eyed and emotional and all those kinds of things this was a really well done one and one of the lines in there was about how this was a game where you know a city in a lot of ways was going to take out decades worth of frustration after you know the GOAT, Tom Brady, continuously beat down the Bills over and over and over again. This was a game where the tide had finally shifted. That's what it said in the high, in the hype video. We both predicted the Bills to win, and that's exactly what happened. It was a truly dominant performance of, of epic proportions. The Bills are the first team in NFL history, regular season or playoffs, to not attempt a field goal punt or committed turnover in a single game. And they do it in a playoff game against the arch nemesis, New England Patriots and Bill Belichick's. You're all going to be celebrating for days to come. And whether you're celebrating at home or away, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. This is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. This is the post-game edition and one that I know just from my DMs and my text messages, Ryan Talbot, Bills fans have been waiting for this one to start. Yeah, they've been waiting a long time for this podcast and for a game like that. It kind of reminds me of uh, the Christmas, you know, the Christmas story with the, the the main character kind of beating up on the bully after all those years of being beaten down or, or insulted. And, and this is what it was. I mean, obviously, these Bills players weren't here for the Tom Brady decades. They were here for a few years of it, like Josh Allen, but uh, they have no idea how satisfying that win most likely was for all members of the Bills Mafia who year in, year out had to deal with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and uh, the greatest of all time, that combination. But Buffalo just came out and really punched them in the mouth early on and never let up. So we're going to get into every aspect of this game. We'll take our first look at the end toward what we were probably expecting a second round matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the 12 and a half point favorites against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe get into a little bit of what we expect in that game tomorrow night. We won't know who the Bills play until around 11, 12 o'clock tomorrow night. So it's going to be a a ferocious 24 to 46 hours of planning for everything and so I have long underwear on for this game because everybody was dre- dressing with like layers. I've never worn long underwear. And in the press conference room, I went down in my full gear because we had to go outside to get down there. I was sweating profusely like in the, <laughs> in the press conference room. And I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta shed some layers, but I really, I really couldn't take too much off. Even if I took my like little jacket part off, it would, I don't know if it would have helped that much. So I'm kind of hot. Once again, it's been a very weird game up and down 
temperatures. Where do you want to start, Ryan Talbot? We won't talk well, too much about my long underwear. Well, real quick, though, you did look like you were freezing on that uh, pregame show, even with a little space <laughs> heater in front of you. So, uh, you know, you, you, you've definitely probably had some high and low temps today as well. But, you know, let's just get started, I, I guess, with Josh Allen. I think that's a great starting point. Second consecutive game where he has just absolutely dominated New England. Take away the windstorm game. You can even go back to last year, that 38-9 to victory toward the end of the regular season. This has been absolute dominance. How many quarterbacks, how many players can we sit here and, and say, Matt, have had Bill Belichick's number three of the last four times? And not just had their number, just absolutely uh, left that coach with no answers. The coordinators with no answers. The Patriots went out and they spent a ton of money this year on offense and on defense. And still, it just doesn't matter. New single season playoff record for the Bills, five passing touchdowns in a game. I want to get into, you know, who he threw a couple of those to. I mean, really, all of his touchdown passes were, you know, he was spectacular. He finished the game with more touchdown passes than incompletions. This was, we talked about it, I think, I can't remember now because the week kind of meshed together. We did two podcasts, we did two Twitter spaces. And so I was talking a lot this week and I don't know where I said everything. Well, one of the things I wondered was, was this going to be another narrative that Josh Allen slammed the door shut on? Because it seems like he's kind of become, you know, it's become a habit for him. Every time people start to talk about things that he can't do, he finds a way to do it and prove it in a big way. This couldn't have been a more spectacular performance. I don't think you could go into a game and, you know, I was listening to, um, and, and to, to be honest, I, ha- I didn't listen to enough of it. I probably only caught a minute or two of it, but I want to go back and listen to it more. Kurt Warner is a guy that le- well, he watches a lot of NFL mm-hmm. quarterbacks, and he's been he's been pretty um, critical of Josh Allen, even still with the performance over the course of the last two years. But I think what we saw tonight was what the ceiling is for Josh Allen. I mean, really, who knows? Maybe he could even be better. Maybe he can have a game where he has perfect. Uh, you know, <laughs> if not for uh, a, a few of those throws being incomplete, I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I guess you can't really put a ceiling on that on this guy. And that's kind of the point. The, the expectation going into a game, even with a, a guy like Bill Belichick all week long, we were talking about what were the adjustments going to be? Were they going to play some more zone? Were they going to bring more pressure? I think they did a little bit of everything, throwing as many darts at the wall as they could throw, trying to find one that would stick and nothing was sticking. And the credit has to go to Josh Allen because he's out there on the field. But I think an equal amount of credit has to go to Brian Dable, a guy who's been so heavily criticized at times when this offense wasn't going right this year. I feel like this is all kind of led the tinkering over the course of the season as they were trying to figure out who they were and and some of the really sloggy parts of the season for this offense. It's led to now how they finished the season and now executing at Ryan. This is unbelievable. I, I got to go and try to find a stat. To, I mean, I would love to find it. I don't even know if it's it's possible to find. But the Bills were, let's do this live here because I haven't tallied it up yet. The Bills were six for six in the red zone, which that means that takes their total to 24 of their last 32 trips into the red zone with a touchdown, Ryan. Hmm. That is Unbelievable. I think that's approaching 80%. I'm not good at math. I'll have to bring it up. Maybe 75, 76%. That is unbelievable production. This is an offense that now it just seems completely in its bag. And don't forget, listen, I know they're there banged up and we're going to get into that a little bit too. 
This is still the New England Patriots defense that everybody was raving about and what motivated everybody to start talking about the New England Patriots going to the Super Bowl. And they were completely answerless tonight against the Bills. Yeah, listen, Brian Dable has some interviews lined up starting uh, tomorrow. Well, today, now that we're on Sunday. I, I don't know if he has to do anything other than just say, hey, watch, did you watch that game? Or, hey, here's the tape of the game. You know, seven drives, seven touchdowns, flawless right. execution, anything that they wanted to do. And this just wasn't the Josh Allen show. Don't get me wrong. Allen, you know, five touchdowns, unbelievable as a passer, unbelievable as a runner. But Devin Singletary was great. This offensive line, again, was outstanding, uh, protecting Josh Allen. Obviously, Tommy Doyle getting involved in the passing game, scoring a touchdown there. Uh, so there is a lot to like if you were uh, a Bills fan, if you're Brian Dable, who has interviews coming up with the uh, Miami Dolphins tomorrow, with the, I believe, Chicago Bears tomorrow as well. One's a Zoom, one's in person. Dolphins coming to Orchard Park. But, you know, this is just more tape for him pretty much saying, I'm going to get a head coaching job this turnaround in the cycle because of how dominant I was, how dominant this offense was. And while there's only one Josh Allen, you, like you said, the tinkering that he's done, he deserves a lot of credit for the way this offense played. So let's get into a couple of those players um, that really helped him in the passing game. Uh, Josh Allen, 21 and 25, 84% completion percentage, which was uh hat tip to Elena Getzenberg from ESPN. She, she had this stat. That is the best. Uh, completion percentage of his career 308 yards five touchdowns 157.6 quarterback rating just a shade under perfection Uh, I tweeted out Jim Kelly's stat line uh, from 1994 against the Raiders which was a W in similar weather conditions it was about zero degrees at kickoff and he threw for 287 and two touchdowns And I said, going into the game, if Josh Allen could have a similar game like that with what I expected him to do on the ground, it would be a pretty good game. And oh, by the way, six carries, 66 yards for 11 yards per carry. Josh Allen had more yards rushing in this game than uh, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson combined, who went 17 for 57 yards. That is Hmm. unbelievable production. We're going to talk about this defensive performance quite a bit as we go, but we got to start with this offense. This is a historic performance from this offense. Dawson Knox and Devin Singletary drafted in the third round back in 2019 have become, I can't believe we're saying this at this point for not, or for Singletary. I think Knox, his season Hardy kind of put him in that, you know, he's getting an extension next year at some point, lock it lock it up and I tweeted it I think you can stamp him as one of the top five maybe more uh best tight ends in the NFL right now I mean he has had an unbelievable season again in the playoffs he had two touchdown catches in the playoffs last year two tonight in the first quarter Hmm. he's been he was phenomenal Singletary tonight every time the ball was in his hands he was he was pushing the pile he was bringing would-be tacklers with him 16 carries 81 yards for a game high 5.1 yards per carry and two touchdowns, Ryan, executing in the red zone, which is something that, you know, we've been looking at him all season to kind of do that. You know, three catches, 13 yards. He had a, he had his hand on every part of this game. And Deion Dawkins actually mentioned in the post game press conference, like this is a guy that was getting bashed throughout the season. And I think looking back on it and, and we talked about this quite a bit and that's not a pat on the back, but it, I thought that, 
as the Bills running game struggled, one of the big reasons was they needed to kind of pivot to the, what they're doing now. Have one featured back and let you let you develop an identity based on that one back, whoever it was going to end up being. And Singletary has taken that opportunity. He's run with it. He's been literally he's been so successful. Some of the runs today, you know, he's bowled over a couple guys again. That one that one run, the touchdown run where he bounced to the outside. It was a really good block by Reggie Gilliam. Um, shout out to, uh, the, what's the hashtag? I'll make fullbacks great again. Um, great, great block from him. He bounced it outside, used his speed. And that's the stuff that for all the knocks on Singletary, that's the one I've heard the most is that the, the speed isn't there when you need it. It was there when you needed it on that play. And these two guys, you know, a couple more just draft darlings at this point, at this stage for what they're doing for the bills in the biggest game of the year, you know, uh, Taron Johnson's a guy who had the pick six in the playoffs last year in his year three. Again, Brandon Bean, I mean, everything's kind of turning up roses for him as we move along. Even guys that maybe have been considered, you know, wondering if they were draft bust. I mean, Ed Oliver, maybe more than anybody. You know, let's start uh, with Dawson Knox. Two touchdowns, almost a third in this game. In my mind, I went back to the the first game that the Bills and Patriots played at uh, Highmark Stadium this year. The wind game, heavy wind gusts. Knox had a few drops in that game. He had a very uh, unremarkable game in in that matchup. And and tonight, like you said, two first quarter touchdowns, uh, getting open. You know, there are no answers for him on on the field. He ends up. Uh, leading the way with 89 yards receiving. Devin Singletary, I was told after the game that Singletary uh, was watching Thurman Thomas highlights on Friday night to kind of, you know, maybe just get amped up for the game. And then he uh, he sees Thurman Thomas wearing the Singletary jersey tonight, and that gets him even more pumped up. He responds with two touchdowns. Uh, in in this game, he's been on fire since what the, the Carolina game, pretty much mm-hmm. uh, the last four games of the regular season, three seventy three something like that on there, three twenty three on the ground, another sixty some yards receiving, multiple touchdowns, just like again tonight. You, you know the Bills have really showed a lot of faith in him, just in general, but especially in the red zone, deep in in uh, in that end of the field, and he keeps showing them, you know, responding, scoring touchdowns, being that asset for this team. So you look at Singletary, you look at Dawson Knox and those early draft picks. You just mentioned Ed Oliver, another guy that has really flashed this year. Uh, all of a sudden, some of the players that were maybe uh, not necessarily Knox, because Knox has been great all year. Some of those players that have been on that borderline, like Singletary, he is really showing uh, why the Bills drafted him when, when they did. Ed Oliver has been pretty dominant late in the season, talking this week about how Sean McDermott saved his career. Uh, so you're right. This this draft, these draft classes that Brendan Bean and Sean McDermott have had have really been responding, playing big roles, uh, not just in the regular season the last few years, but also in the playoffs. I had to walk out to, uh, like you mentioned, to the tailgate area and just seeing the smiles on people's face. And, you know, this was really like a, a couple day celebration here in Western New York mm-hmm. about, you know, a home playoff game, everybody able to kind of be back in the building together. Uh, it was a really kind of special night. From hot-to-go pizza and appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs, to delicious salads and brownie trays, Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. Let's get into Emmanuel Sanders because in just some performances that I think went into this offensive explosion, there's there's a couple of guys that I really want to highlight. And I want to start with Sanders because he did kind of what I thought – 
he could add to this game. That one big time splash play where I think we were talking about it with Nate, uh, Nate Geary on the, on, on the Twitter spaces today that, you know, if they're able to run the ball and get the, the Patriots out of that two deep shell, it opens up the long part of the field. And you saw him get separation on that play. You saw another play early in the game where Stephon Diggs got a separation on a play, but a big time touchdown catch. Ryan, that is Emmanuel Sanders first touchdown catch in his NFL career in the playoffs. And Josh Allen joked that he felt so bad for him because he had to watch Tommy Doyle, uh, the jumbo <laughs> tight end, get a touchdown catch in his first ever playoff game. And he's a he's an offensive lineman. So it kind of a funny little quip there. But I thought what this is a great sign to me with the way that Brian Dable kind of cycled everybody through. You saw Gabriel Davis getting some run. You saw Cole Beasley have a couple catch. I thought this was a really balanced offensive approach. Look at and go through. Their target share, Dawson Knox, five targets, Diggs, four targets, McKenzie, Gabriel Davis, and Emmanuel Sanders, three targets. Beasley only with one target, but it went for 19 yards. That was a big-time play that he made when he made it. Four targets for Devin Singletary, one for Gilliam, and one for Doyle. So this was an absolutely balanced attack, and I thought um, Sanders touched – oh, that's a great point. Ben Kerr brings it up. Sanders' touchdown was uh, not in the red zone. so that didn't count for one of the the touchdown scores, but nevertheless, I, I, I thought Emmanuel Sanders being healthy 100% and them having all of their weapons now on offense. You start looking ahead to future matchups, Ryan. This is an, this is, this is probably the behind maybe the, I don't know. I'd probably put him above the Packers at this point as the most feared offense in the NFL right now. If the balance stays the same, if everyone stays healthy, I think you have a valid argument there. The offensive line is playing at a high level. But you're right. Emmanuel Sanders gets behind the defense. Josh Allen delivers a dime. Uh, Absolutely dynamic play there. You mentioned Stephon Diggs once again uh, having his way with J.C. Jackson down the field on a few other receptions. Quite overall stat line for the number one uh, receiver, but it's still a good game, all things considered. And when you just mentioned all the balance, I really, really love the way that the Bills utilized Isaiah McKenzie tonight, not just as a receiver, but obviously out of the backfield, the way that they lined him up, the way that they got him around the corner, the way that he could utilize his speed along the sideline. Uh, so when you, you add that to what Devin Singletary brings, to what we know Stefan Diggs can do, to what Dawson Knox can do, you have a healthy Emmanuel Sanders who is banged up at times this year. Cole Beasley uh, had another reception called back on a penalty in the game too. So he was a little involved, not as much as some of the others, but he had a nice game. They have so many weapons. Gabriel Davis, the list goes on and on. And then obviously Josh Allen is a weapon all to himself, not just as a passer, but obviously as a runner. So you're right. In terms of offensive firepower, they're ahead of the Chiefs. They're right there toe-to-toe uh, with the Packers, in my opinion. So it, it, you can't expect them to go in every game and, and score nothing but touchdowns every single drive. But this was quite the performance. This is going to be something that whoever they play in the next round, it, it, they're going to be uh, wondering, what can we do to really slow this team down? Because Bill Belichick, this defensive genius, had absolutely no answers on Saturday night. Speaking about defensive geniuses, how about Leslie Frazier's unit coming out here today uh, and really sending a message to, and what's funny is Ryan, you look at the teams that are remaining in the AFC and, you know, Kansas city chiefs, not really going to scare you in the run game. The Cincinnati Bengals, not really going to scare you in the run game. The one team that you probably have to worry about a little bit that can run the ball is probably the, the Tennessee Titans. 
if Der- Derrick Henry gets back and is right, but you know, who knows what he's going to look like? What if, is he going to be on a pitch count? You know, they are going to probably have to get by whoever they end up playing. I think Cincinnati is a really tough matchup for Tennessee because of what they can do in, in, in their own balance attack uh, of an offense. Um, I think that this Bills defense, 89 yards on the ground today from the New England Patriots. And I know, listen, part of this thing is, you know, when you're so one dimensional, like the Patriots have been, and even when they've been really good and, and had some kind of balance, you go back to the Dallas game, there just wasn't enough of that over the course of 17 games to make you worry about their passing game. At no point in this game were the Bills ever concerned about if they had to sell out to stop the run, what was Mac Jones going to do? He wasn't going to do anything. There was, there was no consistency. You know, I think a lot of this, it, the more and more I got to thinking about it with Mac, and he, he finished his game 24 for 38, 63% completion percentage, 230, two touchdowns, two interceptions. You know, it's kind of unfair because he's following Tom Brady. He had a really strong rookie season, all things considered. But the problem is his limitations against really good defenses, especially ones like the Bills, he's just set up to to disappoint every time. I thought he was fine today. Like he he had a couple mistakes. Micah Hyde made a spectacular play. If he even is a half a second behind that play, and we're going to get into that quite a bit in a second, that's probably a touchdown. And then Sean McDermott says, if that's a touchdown and it goes 7-7, maybe this game has a different complexion. Now, the way, the way that this offense was clicking, Probably not. I don't, I don't know that the Patriots offense was going to have any answers for what this offense had today. But, um, you know, I thought Mac Jones, you know, it, it was it's a lot on him when teams know that all they have to do to be successful against them is come in and stop the run. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. Listen, I'm going to give Mac Jones some credit. I, I came in saying uh, I didn't have any expectations for him, especially in this weather, the coldest game that he has ever played in. He made some throws in that first drive before the interception, some big third down throws. He made some uh, uses legs a little bit there, too. He had some throws down the sidelines tonight, uh, not just on that first drive, but later in the game. Kendrick Bourne, uh, a few plays where he fit the ball in between multiple defenders that I came away a little bit impressed with. So uh, he, he did make me believe that there's a little bit more to his game than I had anticipated. But you're right. I still think that. Um, he's very limited in terms of his skill set. He's not a guy that when you get down by two scores uh, or more that he can bring you back on his own. You need He needs his defense to create a turnover. He needs the run game to be great. And none of that was happening tonight, obviously. So Jones was put in a really tough spot for this team. You look at the, the spending spree that they made, man, free agency, and they went out and they added Kendrick Bourne. Bourne was legit. He was very good tonight. They added Nelson Aguilar, uh, not so much, more of a speed guy there. The two tight ends who were really non-factors, Johnny Smith especially, um, has shown that he is not a good fit in this offensive scheme. Hunter Henry was in uh, coverage against Matt, or Matt Milano, I should say, was in coverage against him on the play where the Bills got the other interception. So, you know, a lot of non-factors for, for a lot of that money that was spent uh, it, the, the bills really came away. They look great. You were just mentioning Leslie Frazier a few minutes ago. Same thing. He can have his, uh, head held up very high in those interviews tomorrow, the in-person and in, in the zoom saying, you know, look at this defense. I've been without my number one cornerback for quite some time now, and they're still playing at such a high level. The possibilities for this team, like there, there really isn't a cap on it. I mean, they're, they're endless. And this is a team that I think can win a Super Bowl. It's why all week long on every radio show that I did, national or otherwise, I said, entering, 
everybody asks me the same question, probably like three or four into it or right before the end of the interview. What are the expectations going into this? This What do you expect? What do they need to do? What do the Bills need to do here over the stretch? And, and I came away, Ryan, saying it's Super Bowl or bust. That's how good this roster is. You had Josh Allen saying after the game today that in the third quarter, I believe he said, he started thinking about the fact of how good of a game Brian Dable was having, how good of a game Leslie Frazier was having, and realizing how lucky the Bills are right now to have the continuity on their coaching staffs, to have the talent-rich roster that they have, the continuity, a head coach in Sean McDermott that all of these dudes will run through a wall for. I mean, you could just tell the bond that they have. And there's an urgency now because these interviews go well tomorrow for Brian and, and Leslie Frazier. This thing's going to look completely different next year. And as much as we talk about Super Bowl windows and a Super Bowl window being open as long as the Bills have Josh Allen on the roster, that's not always the case. Things change. You know, uh, talent levels drops. Players, you know, skill levels change from year to year. And, and so there's no guarantee going on beyond the season. I said it on the shows this week. This AFC picture right now is as advantageous for this Bills team as I can remember an AFC picture being for any top two or three seed over the last two decades. And so you got to take advantage of it. And I think Josh Allen really felt that today. And that's kind of what he was alluding to. Um, But they played like it today. And Deion Dawkins said on Thursday, our mentality is killer be killed. And I feel like they put that on the Patriots and they felt that. And I don't know if you tweeted it or I saw it out there. It, It almost felt like the Patriots were defeated pretty much halfway through that first quarter. They were just kind of like playing out the string at that point. Yeah. Well, even, even late in the game, I want to say it was like early fourth quarter, they punted it and they were down a significant total. But the fact that even think about going for it at that point, pretty much told you everything you needed. It was the one where Micah Hyde ended up fielding it and almost taking it all the way back. So that was in the fourth quarter. Um, it, it was just an unbelievable performance by both sides of the ball. Uh, you're right. The, the Bills are in a very advantageous spot with this coaching staff, with the players on this team, the talent. Obviously, they have some older talent on offense that you mentioned it. Talent level changes every year. Um, th- they're going to have to make some changes through, you know, every year in terms of wide receiver room, in terms of skill sets on offense, defense. But right now, things are clicking, and, and you said it. The AFC this year is very winnable. Every team that's in the playoffs has a flaw in this conference. And the Bills, though, right now have hit their stride. The the offense is firing on all cylinders. The defense has been very good. So this is the year that they really have to go and and go for it all. Now that they can't win it in future years, but Joe Burrow and the Bengals, they're only going to get better. Uh, Justin Herbert and Kent and the Chargers who didn't even make the playoffs this year, they're only going to get better. You're still going to have the Chiefs. Uh, I still believe in, in a Trevor Lawrence in this conference, if you can get him the right coaching staff. Uh, and, and the list goes on and on. There's a ton of talented teams. Baltimore, who didn't make it this year. If the Colts get a quarterback, they're in it. Um, so, yeah. And then if you lose coordinators, listen, Miami wants to find someone uh, who can work with Tua. Well, Brian Dable's already done that at Alabama, so that might make him an early favorite for that job if he's willing to take it. And then all of a sudden, that's a, a much tougher uh, in-division game two times per year because who knows Josh Allen better than Brian Dable? No one, I would argue. So it, it's going to be really interesting, but right now, coaching, players, everything, it's lined up for the Bills to make this a special season, a special run. Tonight, though, you know they checked every single box and, and – you have to feel good about them going into this next matchup, regardless of who they play. 
Uh, I was listening to, uh, I see a comment in here. What does Florio have to say now? And I, I, I heard, I was listening to Nate Geary on the pregame show with Jeremy White. And they said that Florio had said on the, on one of the pregame shows that Brian Day, if the Bills struggled offensively against the Patriots, that Brian Dable might be in danger of not being retained, which honestly <laughs> is perfectly on brand for that dope Mike Florio. I'm sorry. That, that dude just drives me absolutely up a wall. I, the, the timing this guy has on the stuff that he says is just, it's b- mind boggling to be on a national, some of these people that have a national you know, microphone in front of their face and the stupid things that come out of their mouth. That's a whole nother yeah. story. But anyway, in no planet, Ryan, would the bills move on from Brian Dable? Okay. Had they lost this game or not? Uh, he's literally one of the top reasons that Josh Allen has developed into the player that he is. And you could see it in Josh Allen's face. Every time he talks about the potential of losing Brian Dable, as much as he wants him to have a, a head coaching job, it's something that he's not looking forward to. And I don't think that the organization that has done everything to cater to Josh Allen is going to say, you know, we're going to get rid of your offensive coordinator. To me, that's a comment that says completely calls into question your credibility and basically tells me that you know nothing about what you're speaking of, which I get it. And I said this about that NFL story that we were talking about with Ed Oliver, fifth year option. It's hard to cover the entire NFL. Mm. I cover one team and it's, you know, I can immerse myself in one team, 53 players, a coaching staff, a city. And that's, and I, and I could do that to a very detailed, very highly detailed way. It's hard to do that for 32 teams, but maybe just keep the foot out of your mouth in some of these situations and you won't sound like a dope, but I guess maybe that's what's up, what makes it so popular sometimes. Yeah, I guess, but the bills were what? Number one scoring offense last year, number three this year. I mean, listen, yeah, I guess they went down a few notches, but how, how can you in your right mind say that Brian Dable's at risk of losing his job, the way this offense has put up points the last two years. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Uh, and, and the only people that were more ridiculous, maybe than Florio were the, were former new England Patriot players, I saw on ESPN, Teddy Bruschi and Randy Moss both pit the Patriots to win. Um, I don't think Julian Edelman's bet. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Ed- Edelman at the half and at halftime, too, showing the uh, picture of the Atlanta Falcons game and the Super Bowl and then the Bills halftime score. And then it was Pam Beasley saying they're the same picture, pretty much saying that the Patriots are going to come back and win that game. So he's getting roasted on, on uh, Twitter. And then I even saw in the NFL, and mind you, it was a bold prediction article. Uh, one of them, I can't, I think it might have been, might have been Nate Burleson, who said that Mac Jones was going to outperform Josh Allen. And even mm. before the game, I said, that's, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. Mm. Um, it's just not going to happen. And again, I'm not bashing Mac Jones here, but there was zero chance of that happening. If the Patriots were going to win this game, it's that the Bills are going to beat themselves. It's that the Patriots are going to run the ball really well. Uh, and obviously, neither of those things happen. So, you know, hot takes her out there. They get uh, the views. They get clicks, whatever the case may be. But it, you end up looking really foolish and not knowing what you're talking about when you make comments like that. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. We haven't even gotten to Micah Hyde's play yet, and and the play mm-hmm. and what what happened with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde yesterday. I want to get to that, but before we do, I feel like we got to talk a little bit more about this offensive performance and and some of the things that went into it. I believe, I I think a fully healthy, fully intact Patriots defense maybe puts up a little bit better of a fight 
probably brings that number back down to maybe 35. Maybe they get stops on two of those drives. I don't know. Uh, I still think that this offense was way too dialed in. It, it didn't really matter who they were playing tonight. Uh, but couple issues. Number one, Joe Juwan um, Williams, I believe, right? That's his name. Mm-hmm. He was the one that got cooked on the Emmanuel Sanders uh, touchdown. He was benched the rest of the way. He wasn't good in place of Jalen Mills, who was on the COVID list. He didn't play. Christian Barmore, we covered this all week, and I still had people in my mentions, mostly Patriots people, telling me that Christian Barmore was going to play and he was going to be effective and all this other stuff. Listen, go back and watch the, the film of him getting injured and carted off the field, the play that he got injured on. There was no possible way. I don't care what he was listed at, at on, on the practice report. He was invisible today, Ryan. Absolutely invisible. Go look. I just tweeted it out before we started. Go take a look at the Patriots defensive stat book. I, 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 I screenshotted it and tweeted it out. There's a lot of numbers in the tackle assist and combined tackles. Because, you know, Patriots had to make a lot of tackles tonight. No sacks. One quarterback hit as a team for Matthew Judon. Zero tackles for a loss and one pass defense in the entire game. This was an absolutely dominant performance. Barmore was limited in what he could do. You could tell he was kind of invisible in the game. Kyle Duggar, who played, had a wrap on his hand. He was limited. And J.C. Jackson said he's very comfortable on an island, but Stefan Diggs, again, with one of the plays of the game, absolutely cooking him. This was a dominant performance, and now no doubt in anybody's mind who the class of the AFC East is at this point, if, if there was any questions going into this game. Yeah, listen, I do have to d- disagree with you a little bit about Christian Barmore being invisible. There was the one play that Josh Allen shook out of a, a tackle attempt where it was very mm-hmm. visible watching Barmore drop to the ground and kind of flop away as Josh Allen ran by him on that first drive. So <laughs> yeah, I, I did see him at least that one time, Matt. Uh, Kyle Kyle Duggar, I, I was a big Kyle Duggar fan as he was coming into the league. I, I did feel a little bit bad for him tonight. He's, wearing He's not giant- right. No, he was wearing a giant yeah. club on his hand. Uh, and now, mind you, Josh Allen's first touchdown, he thought he was throwing away, and, and Knox made this spectacular play on it. Uh, but Duggar had absolutely no shot there. I mean, the guy was, was pretty much playing literally with one hand. Uh, so there's little he could do there. J.C. Jackson, you mentioned it, keeps getting uh, beaten by Stefan Diggs, showing time and time again that he, while he is a very good cornerback, he is not an elite cornerback. And, and you can be a very good cornerback and make a ton of money in this league. There's nothing wrong with that, but he is not, he should not be considered with those top names in this league. Uh, he has not done enough when, when he's going in these contests against the best of the best. He's been getting me beaten, especially by Stefan Diggs. Let me ask you something on him. Where would you stand if you were covering the Patriots in terms of his contract situation? Because this is mm. his fourth year, right? JC Jackson. Yeah. He's on his way to making buco bucks. I mean, he is going to get paid because he's in his fourth year. So this is a contract year. They're going to have to either decide to frame, which if they do that, that is going to be a hefty price tag. And I'm pretty sure the Patriots are still in decent shape on the cap next year. I'm not, I don't have that right in front of me, but he had eight interceptions this year. He's going to get paid. He's probably going to cost around $20 million. If they do franchise tag him, if they give him an extension, it's still going to be around that number. That's a lot of money to pay. And um, my question is, if you're the Patriots, how far are you away? Right? You're in the same division with the Bills. 
it's not going to change that much. They're going to be basically the same team. I think you have more questions than you have answers on defense. Listen, I know Kyle Duggar's good. Christian Barmore's good. They'll get them back healthy. They have some players that they like, but you know, at the linebacker position, they have a lot of questions. Dante Hightower, I mean, he, he looks like his game has dropped off. Mm. He, he opted out last <laughs> yeah. year. He's getting, not getting any younger. And so I just think that there's so many questions. There's questions on their offensive line. Isaiah Wynn is coming up. Do you want to make, do you want to have to end up paying him? Cause he's probably going to get it paid as well. You're going to have to make decisions on franchise tags and you, you, you put a lot of money into a couple tight ends that again tonight, what were the numbers, Ryan? You know, uh, first of all, it wasn't a great throw, but Hunter Henry has to make that touchdown catch. Right, Four targets, yeah. one catch. Did jo- John Smith didn't have a target in this game, Ryan? No, I mean, he had, like I said earlier, man, he's been a terrible fit for this offense. And all it, it's been really bizarre. All season long, Josh McDaniels has sat there and said, oh, I need to do a better job. I need to do a better job. But, but it's be- become very apparent that this is just not a good marriage. Uh, which is funny because before he signed with the Patriots uh, a few years ago when he was still with Tennessee, uh, Bill Belichick just raved about him in terms of what he can do after the catch. And, you know, I know Belichick's the defensive guru and all that, but when you've seen that game that John Smith has and what he can do, you would like to think that your offensive coordinator can utilize them the right way. So, I don't know the outs in those contracts. I think Hunter Henry's safe. He had a ton of touchdowns this year. He was very good. But Jonu Smith, if it's a one-and-done snare, if there's an out in that contract, I wouldn't be stunned whatsoever. Um, but it's just really interesting just the, the way that a lot of these guys that are paid big money didn't show up. And you're right, Patriots, um, cap-wise, they're in really good shape. I don't know if I would pay Isaiah Wynn. Uh, he's been you know a little up and down. He's obviously better than what they had out there tonight. Uh, but do, can you really give him left tackle franchise money? That, that's a tough decision to make. I think they're more comfortable giving him money to J.C. Jackson, where, again, maybe not an elite cornerback, but uh, still probably in, in that top 12 range toward the, the back end of that top 12. So you, you probably feel good about that. But, yeah, this is it. When you don't have an elite quarterback, if you don't have a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes, an Aaron Rodgers, you need to be great everywhere else. So can you afford giving out those $20 million contracts at cornerback and other positions where Mac Jones, you can win with him, but you can't win because of him. And that's a big difference. So Micah Hyde with the play of the season. And it was just, again, like these dudes, like him and Poyer consistently make these, I don't want to call them like bail out plays, but like, these energizing type of plays that just completely flip the script in, in games just consistently over and over again. I mean, you know, this week, uh, yesterday, the, uh, the AP, the Associated Press put out their all pro teams, Jordan Poyer, uh, second most votes at safety. He's a first team all pro finally gets his flowers, if you will. And the respect that I think a lot of people in Bill's mafia have been, you know, clamoring for and begging for for him because he's been a guy that I think has been amongst the elite safeties in the league for a couple of years now. And finally, I feel like people around the league are starting to see it. Um, he's first team all pro, Micah Hyde, second team all pro. I feel like they're interchangeable at times. I think you could probably put either one on the first team. And I think actually Joe Pascalia from The Athletic, when he was uh, uh, suggesting to Shield Kapadia, for his all pro team, he suggested, you know, Micah Hyde by a, by a nudge. You can't go wrong with either one of them. And that was the kind of play that was huge 
you know, Jordan Poyer said, was asked, what did you do after you found out you, you were an all pro? And he said, you know, I went and watched some more film. And, and so right. instead of, you know, maybe celebrating the moment, he kind of doubled down on what he needed to do to kind of go out there and stamp that respect finally coming his way. And that's part of it. I mean, you gotta, you gotta find a way to continue to play with the chip on your shoulder. And I asked them too, like joking around, like Bill's mafia was ready to riot. If you weren't, you know, uh, announced as an all pro after getting the snub for pro bowl. And he gave some love. You can go back and, and listen to his answer on that, uh, giving some love to Bill's mafia and certain uh, members that, you know, kind of always show support to him. But the Hyde interception was one of those big time plays in a big time moment. I mean, I, I'd put it maybe not on par with the Taron Johnson pick six because I mean, that was literally the difference in the game and who knows this offense was going so good, but I mean, it's at least, you know, if not in that tier, the tier right below. Yeah. Uh, you know, Matt, right now I just started watching stranger things. I'm like four seasons behind, but I just started getting into it. And there's this creature that, uh, that moves so quickly. You just never see it. It just like flies on the screen really quick. That's what Micah Hyde did tonight. Uh, watching the TV broadcast, that looked like a touchdown for Max, Mac Jones. He threw a, a, what looked like a great ball. Uh, the wide receiver had a step that looked like he was going to catch it, haul it in, tied game. All of a sudden in the screen, you just see Micah Hyde fly in, intercept the ball, and then slide to the ground with it just seamlessly like it was nothing. like Almost like he was uh, trying to lull Mac Jones in that throw, and that wasn't the case. It was just a perfect play by the, by the safety where he timed it right. He, you know, he made the right movement step by step. If he was there a half second later, that's a touchdown. That's a tie game. Uh, but he wasn't. He was phenomenal. So really, yes, the Demogorgon. Thank you. I was blanking on the name now that it's only 143, Chris. Yeah, the Demogorgon uh, is maybe what we'll start calling Micah Hyde the way that he moved tonight. Uh, on the field. So unbelievable play, uh, play that uh, a lot of fans will be talking about for quite some time. A couple more performances that I wanted to mention uh, on the defensive side. And, you know, the, the, the Patriots kept Trent Brown at right tackle tonight. Uh, they went with that direction. And listen, I, I think that was probably smart. Uh, I didn't like the idea as much as, you know, I think, you know, Patriots media and fans were talking about wanting to get on Oahu or on way who into the, into the game. He's been good at right tackle switching Trent Brown over to the left side, as good as he is, it's not as easy as I think some people think it is. I think it's like, you know, you, you play 17 regular season games and then are asked to do that on a short, on a short week um, to play on a Saturday. I think that's asking a lot. So they decided to go with it, with that decision. And, you know, Jerry Hughes comes out and has a big time sack going against Trent Brown on the right side. And this is a guy we were talking about during the week, a guy that said, listen, I know that, you know, that the end could be creeping up here. I, 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 and I think that we really are moving in that direction. I think there's a chance that you could bring Jerry Hughes back on a one-year deal. And we'll get more into that over the course of the off season and, you know, talking to Brandon Bean and everything like that. But, you know, you don't, you don't want to leave any plays out on the field. And I think, I feel like Jerry played that way. Their offensive line tonight really struggled up front in the run game. And, you know, maybe that's where they messed Isaiah win the most. And maybe that's something sometimes when a guy does things in the run game for you, you know, and, and, and maybe not so much in the passing game, you know, you can kind of take it for granted. And, and the New England Patriots weren't able to run the ball today. I, I think part of that was the effort that the, the Bills brought up front. Harrison Phillips had another really good game. But being banged up, I think, you know, impacted them a bit. 
Yeah, and, you know, I kind of smiled and laughed when you mentioned Jerry Hughes because what a play that he did make in the game. You know, Mac Jones and the Patriots trying to be sneaky with the the fake, uh, you know, grounding into the ground to stop the clock. And instead, Jerry Hughes plays it to the whistle, sacks him uh, on a great play there, a heads-up play as as, uh, he did not bite on that whatsoever and the Bills' secondary didn't bite on it either. Um, and, and, you know, kudos to Boogie Basham too. He's someone I wanted to mention because when the inactives came out, I said, Oh man, I don't know. Boogie Basham over FA Obata. Um, FA Obata had, had been injured the last few weeks, banged up a little bit. Boogie Basham gets that sack in week 18 against the Jets. And he comes in tonight and he gets a sack. Uh, you you know, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch the game, but the few snaps that I was really focusing in on him, he was pushing the offensive lineman back into the pocket. Uh, I came away impressed with, with the playing strength, but I do have to actually sit down, focus, uh, watch every one of his snaps, see how he looked. But that was another move that the bills made that paid off. There were a lot of people kind of scratching their head saying, man, they're going with a lot of players in their secondary. They're going kind of light by, uh, with what they were doing up front, it's almost like they knew they were going to be able to score at will on this team and, and that the Patriots were going to have to throw the ball early and often. And sure enough, they were right. You know, that's why these coaches, that's why the, the people that make those final decisions, they get paid the big bucks. Uh, they went in with a confident game plan and it paid off across the board. Ryan, one of the things we talked about during the week was the emergence of Harrison Phillips places Starla Tulele and now a really dangerous role for him. And he, obviously he had the sack today. He finished the game. Um, let me bring up the defensive stats here. I had him up for a second. Uh, one tackle, one sack, one quarterback hit, and one tackle for a loss. So I think just based on what I saw, and I wasn't tracking the um, – I'm not an absolute animal like Joe Biscaglia who tracks the snaps <laughs> in-game on his spreadsheet. And usually at some point in the game, somebody will shout out – Hey, Joe B, how many snaps does this guy have? And he'll have it right on, right, right, ready to go right away. Shout out to him, man. He's Joe, Joe B's the best. Joe B's the goat. Um, oh, we, we, we were chatting all day yesterday on our, our NBA bets, turning into a couple of degenerates, but, um, that's beside <laughs> the point. I think Starla Tula didn't play as much as, as Harrison Phillips, but I feel like this is, you know, you've seen some of these veterans, Ryan, fit into these really nice roles for them. Mario Addison was banged up today. He left the game and he did not return. We didn't get a final update on him where he's at. And Sean was not asked about him, but he left the game. Did you see what the injury was? I'm going back to see what it was because I want to we – at that point in the game, we were, things were kind of moving fast. Um, I yeah. think we tweeted it. He, he got, I mean, he got up under his own power and, and was able to get off the field. And if I, if I remember the play correctly, I think he actually collided with Tremaine Edmonds on the play. Uh, okay. He was trying to make a play on it. And uh, Shoulder it didn't really show. Yeah. As I said, they looked like they were looking at the upper body, but I wasn't quite sure it was the shoulder. So some kind of shoulder injury. The fact that he was able to get up under his own power, he was standing on the sidelines for some time. It's encouraging. At that point, the Bills did have a pretty good lead. Uh, they were probably liking what they saw from some of the other guys. So there's no need to force him back in the lineup, but it will be really interesting to see where he's at. But to your point, Matt, these, these veterans finding, you know, these roles for them, Latula burst through the offensive line to get a sack in this game too. So keeping these older guys fresh, uh, giving them opportunities, albeit limited, it's paying off for them. It's, helping the young guys develop. It's helping the old guys stay fresh. Uh, and and Latula especially, 
you know, that was a, a great play on his part. But the way that Harrison Phillips has been playing late in this season, it's it's no wonder why he has, you know, lost that starting job. But if he can come in and make a splash play here and there, uh, this is all going to work out in the end for this Bills defense and the Bills as a whole. I want to talk about one more thing before I do. If my, my wife's not watching, I don't think I haven't gotten any text messages. It's almost two in the morning. She's probably sleeping because she knows I'm probably going to sleep in a little bit tomorrow and she's going to have to handle the kids. So I wouldn't imagine she's still up. But if she is, I would love to wake up, honey. If you see it, maybe you watch it back when you wake up. I'd love to wake up to a Topps breakfast pizza. I'm just thinking about it right now because I was looking at the, you know, our our Topps reads on here and I do Topps breakfast pizza is so goat. And I I don't know when the last time I had one was. And so I, I think that's the play. And even if she doesn't get one for me, by the time I wake up, do you know, Ryan, can you get them even if it's not breakfast time? Like, like, do you, or, or is there a cut? Is there a time cutoff? No, I'm pretty confident you can get it uh, whenever um, you just call and, and call and order it in, get it fresh. So that way it's, it's not one that's been sitting out. Sitting out ones are fine too, but when you call and you get a fresh breakfast pizza from Tobbs, they are elite. They are the best, the best that you're right. That's one of my favorite things as well. Uh, I haven't had one in, in a few weeks myself, but I, I like to grab a slice if I'm at Tops. Uh, in the mornings if I'm going doing some shopping. But, yeah, that is their game changer in, in terms of what they have uh, with their fresh food selection. So I posted this. So Matt Beauvais was in the um, the parking lot the other day, and I was driving by to say, say, say see you later. And as I was going by him, mean, he had his camera, so he was doing a stand-up. So I, as I drove by, I was like, I was like, hey, what do you need? Like joking around. And so he kind of like interviewed me, asked me what I thought about a hot dog and whether or not it was a sandwich. And people had a real issue with my take on that. I was just having some fun. Like, dude, just everybody relax a little bit. You know, it's it wasn't even like a real take. Like I didn't give it any thought or anything. I don't really have an opinion on whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich. Like get off it. Like we, we're so passionate about the most nonsensical things, people. Like relax. I was having a little fun. Okay. Anyway, I digress. So this was like the little thing at the end. Guess what I said, Ryan? I said, Ryan, I said, Josh Allen, the Bills were going to win, and Josh Allen was going to have at least a 65% completion rate. I was way off. He finished way with 85%. Off. Way too low. Way too but low. my point was that the efficiency like issue or concerns that people were having, I was like, I- I'm not seeing it. I think he's going to come in here and be very efficient. He was, whatever. Anyway, so I posted this yesterday, and I said, let's have a caption contest. What's the best caption? And somebody tweeted at me, when you when you have a hot and ready to go pizza from Top's Friendly Markets, <laughs> and I was like, "My man, that's what I'm talking about. That is comprehension." And coming from Professor Perino, that's what I'm looking for in my class every Monday night at the University of Buffalo. Do you take the information? Can you regurgitate it to me? And that is a five star performance from that gentleman. I tagged Tops. He got the retweet, and he also he got the follow from me. So, and then I was, you know, I obviously this my goofy face is all over the internet, but that, that's beside <laughs> the point. What do you think about my hot dog take, Ryan? I'm fine with it. Listen, I, I no, really, I'm not. I'm not as passionate about the hot dog sandwich take as I am about apples, which I saw someone else quote tweeted you on that, and they tagged me in it. But you know, there's bread, there's meat. I can see it qualifying as a sandwich. It's not a closed. It's not closed bread though. So if you're you're against it. I go either way. I'm pretty easy, easy peasy when it comes to the hot dog and a sandwich or is it a sandwich type take? So no hot take there for me, Matt, but uh, I did, I did see your picture being used as, you know, memes. I saw Bray uh, 
inserted a picture of Shaq Lawson in, in the in the passenger seat with you for one of them. Uh, I saw a lot of people tagging it with some really funny tweets. So, you know, I love that you put yourself out there for a caption contest. And I, I really enjoyed reading and seeing all the submissions. All right. Last thing. Let's look ahead here, Ryan. The Patriots or the uh, Kansas City Chiefs last time I looked were 12 and a half point favorite over the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I've been talking with some people. Uh, we were talking about it on the the Twitter spaces here. Where are we at in the Pittsburgh Steelers pulling the upset? And who would you rather face right now? Would you rather go on the road and face the Kansas City Chiefs in a rematch of the AFC title game, but three, two and a half months removed from going there and winning? It's obviously going to be a different. Kansas City team. And to Mike Taylor's point on YouTube, Juju Smith-Schuster has been activated and is expected to play. We'll see where he's at. But what, what are your thoughts? Let's start there. What are your thoughts on a matchup preference? Uh, I, definitely the Steelers. Uh, no hesitation there. I, I think the Steelers, though, have as good of a chance of defeating the Chiefs as the Patriots did of stopping the, the Bills. And it's just not going to happen. Uh, I don't see the Steelers being able to do that. Now, mind you, you mentioned it on our Twitter spaces. Maybe TJ Watt goes, you know, just insane in this game and he has multiple sacks and he forced fumbles and there's a player too, but I don't trust Ben Roethlisberger in that offense. I, I don't think that, uh, as good as Watt is, the defense can kind of keep that Chiefs down long enough. And and listen, this Chiefs team does not give me the same feel as the teams I've seen in the last two years where they have been the class of the AFC. We watched them struggle against Denver last weekend. We've seen them struggle in a lot of games that they've, you know, even some of them that they've won. They, they had a tough game against the Giants this year. A uh, really bad team. They've been they lost to a lot of these playoff teams: the Bills, the Bengals, the Titans. So this is not a powerhouse, but I just think they're still significantly better uh, than the Steelers. But yeah, in terms of who the Bills would be a better matchup with, it's it's Pittsburgh. Even though Pittsburgh beat Buffalo in Week One, there's there's no doubt in my mind that Buffalo would absolutely love a rematch at this point in time to kind of show that uh, that that first game was a fluke. And mind you, one of the biggest players in that game was Melvin Ingram, who's not with Pittsburgh anymore. He's with the Chiefs. He got traded there for peanuts uh, at the trade deadline. So he's a guy that hurt the Bills early this season. He's not with Pittsburgh anymore. So of, of who you would prefer to see the Bills play, for me, it's easily Pittsburgh. I just don't see that scenario panning out. In this scenario, so if the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Kansas City Chiefs, that would be the difference between the Bills going to Kansas City next week or hosting the Cincinnati Bengals next week. And for me, between those two scenarios and taking Pittsburgh out of the mix because it would be at least one more week until they can maybe play them to host them in the AFC title game if they were to somehow beat Titans in that scenario. Just looking at the the Bengals and the Chiefs, if I'm the Bills, I'd love to play the Bengals. For no other reason than Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier's track record against young quarterbacks. Joe Burrow's among the best quarterbacks in the league. I'd probably put him in the top seven. He is lights out. He's got playmakers at every position. I think Jamar Chase is potentially a problem for the Bills without Tredavious White. I, I, I would be a bit concerned about that matchup. But I also think that the Bengals defense is very beatable against an offense in the bills that has so many different ways to attack them that I just don't think that the Las Vegas Raiders had. And now I haven't watched that game in full. We had the pregame show. I was kind of coming in and out of that game, but you know, Derek, Derek uh, Carr 
you know, I think I don't still don't think Darren uh, Waller was a hundred percent. He he's got a couple of receivers that he doesn't have anymore. So, you know, that that's not a, a Raiders team that I think anybody had high expectations for. But I think playing the Bengals gives you a chance for Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier to craft a game plan for a young quarterback. Be the first time you ever played this Bills defense. You have the Jamar Chase factor against, you know, probably Levi Wallace, and you wonder how that's going to go over the course of the game. Can you limit some of those big time plays and big time scores? But I also have some reservations about the same thing going on with the Kansas City Chiefs. The only difference is the the Bills know them much more. They've played them a bunch over the last, you know, 20 or 12 months. And, you know, I think that they'll be able to kind of craft a plan and have answers and adjustments for whatever the Kansas City Chiefs try to do. And I think that that game will come down to how much can the Bills affect Patrick Mahomes up front, um, where I think they'll definitely be able to affect Joe Burrow up front because that offensive line has uh, it's been hurting down the stretch. It, it'll be interesting either matchup, but you know, either way, I think that Buffalo's corners are going to have to take a big step uh, up in, in the matchup, whether it's against Cincinnati, whether it's against Kansas City. Uh, it, you know, the, the game plan that the Bills used to beat Kansas City, they have to modify that a little bit because having Trey White on one side of the field helped that game plan work so well in the first matchup. Levi Wallace, Dane Jackson, Taron Johnson, they'll get challenged when they play either of these teams. Obviously, you feel really good about the safety duo in Hyde and Poyer. And I'm not trying to bash these cornerbacks, but it's a completely different ballgame when you don't have your lockdown uh, corner on the field. So I think both will be a tough matchup. I do think, though, that the Bills can go toe-to-toe with both of those defenses, although Kansas City's has improved from what they were in that first game. Uh, but they're also very inconsistent still in that regard as well, based on, again, look at what Denver did to them. Look at what some of these teams did late in the season or throughout the season. So, um, it, you know, the B- Bills can go toe-to-toe with either team. They can make either of those games maybe just an offensive firepower type game where it goes down to the wire. But you should have a lot of confidence in the Bills right now based on the way that they played tonight and the way that they played in those final four weeks of the season, uh, you know, peaking at the right time, so to speak. So a couple stats to leave you all with. This is just the third time in Patriots history they have lost a playoff game by at least 30 points. This is the worst playoff loss of Bill Belichick's career. The other two were Super Bowl. Um, <clears throat> all right, I'm losing it. We, we gotta get out well, of here. This hold on, real quick, real quick. Who's the best coach in the AFC East now? I mean, all time is <laughs> Belichick, but right now, isn't it Sean McDermott, four and one in the last two seasons against Belichick? He went out of his way to stay humble and hungry today in the press conference. You could tell he didn't want to say anything that was going to kind of walk him into a similar path or a similar spot that he was in after the the loss uh, seven weeks ago. But I thought Sean McDermott outcoached Bill Belichick today. Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick had no answers. If this would have been the other way, Sean McDermott would have been on the hot seat from somebody. And, you know, this was an absolute dunk job from McDermott on Belichick. And it happens in a way that, like, Ryan, we're six weeks removed. I tweeted this, too, where the dynasty was back. The Patriots were, like, the Super Bowl odds crept up to maybe like second best in the NFL. And I'm sitting here watching, like, are we watching the same team? They're beating a bunch of absolute scrubs and I get it. Like they're playing good football, but let's dial back the expectations for a rookie quarterback who had never even played in his lowest, like 25 degree weather, let alone what he played in tonight. And, you know, credit to Mac Jones. I thought he played better, much better than I thought he was going to play. 
But I thought this was a masterclass from Sean McDermott tonight. I thought, you know, it helps when your players go out and execute the way that they did. But I thought he learned a lesson from that first game. And, uh, you know, this is something that not only does like all the lessons learned of the adversity that this team went through during the regular season, they could take that into the, into the playoffs with them. But Sean McDermott, even in year five here is still learning lessons about being a head coach. I mean, the, I'm sure Bill Belichick, you know, he, he learned plenty of them over the course of his career. He just had this kind of ace in the hole that was Tom Brady. And now Sean McDermott might have something pretty similar in Josh Allen. Yeah, well said. Listen, uh, right now, everything's pointing to McDermott and the Bills. We're kind of running this division for the foreseeable future, between, at least between these two teams. Miami has some talent. They've been in the playoff picture the last two years. They just haven't been able to get over the hump. Uh, the Jets, for as bad as they are, they have a lot. They have some high picks coming up. If they hit on those picks correctly, if Zach Wilson develops, then you just never know. But you know, right now everything looks great for the Bills in the foreseeable future, and that's what helped Belichick for all those years. You had Tom Brady, the ace in your sleeve, so to speak. That's what Josh Allen is on any given Sunday, Saturday, Monday, Thursday, whatever day that they're playing. Josh Allen can go out and, and single-handedly beat some of the best of the best in this league. The one sense, too, I got, and we're going to get out of here, but the one sense I got from the Bills prevailing from the press conferences and the reaction is that as big of a win as this is for the organization, it doesn't barely register with them. I mean, this is a wild card playoff win at home after a run of the AFC title game last year that you could you could sense the unfinished business. And so from that perspective, moving ahead, this is a very like determined focused team. So I guess to my point is no matter the matchup, like this team is fully locked in. They're healthy. They're playing their best football. They're a really dangerous team. And man, this is going to be a wild, wild week. It's going to be a fun day of football tomorrow. I can't wait to sit on my couch and watch it all day. We'll have plenty of coverage at the site at Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. And if you're hosting a large party next weekend, maybe the bills are on the road. You're not traveling to KC. You're going to have a party at the house. Check out Tops' huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless, and affordable, no-stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasy foodball. Smash that like button before you get out of here. We appreciate you. Have a great football Sunday. We'll see you next week. Two more shows to go. One, I think the preview show, Ryan, is going to be coming to you from Kansas City if it is a road game at Kansas City. So stay tuned for the details. We will see you next week, everybody. Take care. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.